Wow, right? Wow. Turn to somebody and just say, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And hey, look, we, we worship the living God. Yeah. First Baptist Church is a pl- great place to go because you're always going to get God-centered, biblical, engaging, and spirit-led worship, and you're going to worship God. We didn't sing those songs to ourselves. The only reason why we're here and the only reason why we're singing is because we're singing to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and to the work that he has done through us that his father prepared, he planned to do in us. And that's exactly where we're going here this morning in Philippians chapter 1. But just one more time, just one more time, just wow, 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 praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right, so let's head to Philippians uh, chapter 1. Folks, I know you, th- you thought this was a work that was never going to happen. You thought you encouraged me. You told me stories about your trips, and you talked to me about camping, and you, you talked about bears and fish and ice and snow and, and all kinds of things. And finally, after nearly nine years, I'm a youper, okay? I, I crossed the bridge and went all the way to Holton, okay? Did I say it right? Holton, okay? And, uh, and it was fantastic. And first of all, you were correct. It is beautiful. It's incredible, and the colors are already changing up there. Um, it is long. It is really long. Um, it's a big, giant, long island, and it takes a long time to get across it as well. Hey, can I tell you another thing about uh, the UP? There are a lot of bugs there. In fact, there are probably 100,000 bugs per capita. So one person, 100,000 bugs per person. So if you happen to hit, say... 700, 800,000 bugs on your way there and back. You really are not reducing the, the population whatsoever. In fact, our car, when we got home last night, literally looked like it had been eating some giant nacho cheese Dorito chips, you know, and it just had all that nacho cheese all across the front of it. It was un, unreal. And so we just left it there. It's just, just going to stay there for a day or so so we can just admire um, our bug paste, all right? Um, Another thing, this person has been waiting for, for six weeks. I might as well go ahead and do this. Uh, 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 August the 5th was National Mustard Day. Um, and, uh, yeah, big deal to certain people. Um, they had a parade in Sheboygan, and 13 people showed up. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying, I'm lying, I'm lying. Actually, there was no parade, and no one showed up. Okay, but anyway, um, someone made a um, mustard tie for me. They literally sewed a mustard tie for me, but you don't want me to wear this thing, do you? No, good, okay, all right, all right, no, 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 but congratulations, congratulations to that person uh, for uh, your mustard joke, you just keep raising the bar, which means something's coming soon for you, um, okay, let, now, come on, let's, let's gather our hearts together, I'm glad we can laugh together, we can have joy together, we can unite there, don't you just feel the joy of the Lord here this morning? Oh, so grateful to know Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, now we go to your word, your holy word, and we enter into it with gladness and desire to receive from you your very words to us and to respond to them, to have them transform us again and again, and with the help of your Holy Spirit to agree with you, God, surrender and submit and be remade again and again, shaped more in the image of your Son. So we come to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 this morning, trusting you for it. In Christ's name, amen. How about those elders last week? I just commend them for the way that they handled themselves at uh, the first focus. And I'm hoping that all of you will hear 
uh, their encouragement. And today, you really will seek an adult life class and seek community. You can also seek out Keith Day and Nate Weber about your interest in participating in a small group in the future. But we want to really build community. That's going to be a huge goal for us uh, this fall as we try to come together um, as a church. I want you to look at your bulletin insert now. All right, kids, you can take the yellow page from your pew rack and you can attempt to draw a picture for me in those sermon notes of what a work of God is from start to finish. Because what we're going to learn here this morning is God is not the author of an unfinished work. God is not the author of an unfinished work. God finishes what he starts. And so students and kids, you can attempt to draw that. If you're an artist, also adults have a crack at that. Uh, kids do a good job with it. But otherwise, look at that sermon outline that you have in your uh, worship folder here uh, this morning. And you'll see an outline that, te that, that tells you all that you'll need to know as you follow along with the message here this morning. Next week, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, we will see how we are united in exalting the good news. And Paul will state that his imprisonment and all of the resistance to the gospel is actually working for the good news of God. He's going to say in verse 12 next week, I want you to know, brothers, can you find it there? Yep. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. This is an amazing thing, all right? We, we have this American idea of success. As long as we're getting more, as long as we're earning more, as long as there are more, as long as there are more plaudits, there's more prosperity, that's success. And yet a man in prison is going to say, hey, this is how God is working. He's working through hardship and he's working through suffering. And then he's going to go on to say, for whatever reason, in every way, whether by pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. And so Paul is saying, by faith there, and we'll look at this next week, he'll, he's saying, by faith there, I'm with God in the lows. I'm not just with God in the highs. I'm with him in the lows. I'm with him in season, but I'm also with him out of season. When there's a whole lot of life change and a whole lot of stuff going on, I'm with him. But when we're hoping and we're trusting and we're waiting patiently for the work of God, I'm with him there too. Because whether by pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And he says, and in that I rejoice. Anybody ever had a dry season? Anybody ever come into conflict with this world, with the gospel, and felt that you've been shrunk by an intimidating world? Paul says, hey, hey, God may just be working right in that. And that political argument, or in that sociological, ideological skirmish that's going on around you, there might be the opportunity for the gospel to emerge and to be spoken. And we'll look at that next week. Now, this morning we're going to discover the confidence that we can have in God's transforming power and the perseverance that we have as God shields us in his power through faith. The Westminster Confession of the Faith, as well as many other uh, great theological documents, talk about the perseverance of the saints. That saints are hanging in their people, not because they have an extra dose of stubbornness, an extra dose of energy or stamina, but because they are shielded by God through faith. Their faith empowers them to go to the very end to which God is taking each one of us. And we're going to discover the confidence that we can have in God's power 
and the perseverance that we can have in God's power as he transforms us by faith here this morning. Remember last week, especially verses 3 through 5 in Philippians, that number one, joyful gratitude is rooted in our experience and participation in the gospel. Joyful gratitude. We're thankful when we're rooted in our experience and participation in the gospel. In fact, we just said thank God right there at the end of the worship time. This brings us together to celebrate God working in us. Joyful thanks in our experience and in our participation. And also that relationships and unity are deepened when we partner together with the gospel. Relationships and unity are deepened when we partner together with the gospel. And that's a choice, a choice to partner together, to lay aside some of my private goals, to focus together on the gospel. How could God use me to bring us together? How could God use me to focus everyone on the gospel? Many times it starts one heart at a time deepening in relationships. That's how it happens. So that's our review of Philippians 1, 3 through 5. And we'll get on to this work that God wants to complete in him. When I was a youth pastor and didn't have back issues and sciatic and all those things, and I was in my 20s and felt invincible, I started a testimony running team with our student ministry. And I challenged them to, by faith, go through seven weeks of goals of running one mile, 1.5, 2.53, 3.54, all the way to six miles so that we would run a 10K together at the Charlotte uh, uh, 10K that, that they host every year. And so we would have Bible study together, then we would stretch, and then I would push them and I would time them. And we were working our way through all of these goals. We had this one girl that began to suffer, suffer shin splints. And... Uh, so she slowed down, and she just really wasn't making her mark. She wasn't hitting her times at all. Uh, when we wanted her to, to, to run a 10-minute mile, it took her 12. If we wanted her to run a 12, it took her 15 because she had to stop, walk sometimes. She had to just stop and rub her legs because of those shin splints. And it was a bit frustrating for everyone because we all wanted to make our goals. And uh, we wanted her to feel successful as well. But nevertheless, we made it to race day. And here I am going, okay, I'm championing these students, and I'm going to help them run in this race, and I need to be a good model for them. And so I ran the race as if to win. So I ran as hard as I could and came in choking, bleeding, dragging, sweating, all those things at the fastest time that I possibly could. And then I began to uh, you know, check the times and the marks for those kids that were coming in. And I saw the first one who should have come in, and the second one who should the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And then finally we got down to this young lady that we knew would be last, but we grew very concerned. After 72 minutes, we hadn't seen her. After 75 minutes, we hadn't seen her. Now, now there's massive gaps with the runners, and it's just walkers that are coming in. And, and I'm going, hey, where is this girl? Is she lost somewhere? Are we going to have to start jogging backward down the course to go and find her? And finally, she comes walking in hand in hand with another young lady about her age, about 14 years old. And we said, what's wrong? What happened? And she goes, oh, nothing was wrong. I just had really bad shin splints. And this, this girl here, she decided that she would just finish the race with me walking. And so she asked me what, why, I was, why I was running the race. And I told her about this testimony team. So I shared with her my testimony. And she just accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. 
God doesn't always work the way we want him to work. The work of God is majestic. It's sure. It's certain. But it doesn't always happen the way we like to see it happen. But he does. And thank God, God works in spite of us. That God is changing us, even though sometimes we say, I don't want to change. We stubbornly lock ourselves down, and yet the Holy Spirit still hastens us and chastens us to change. Let's look down at Philippians chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. What God begins, God completes. Look at verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a confident statement. Then he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. In other words, Paul is going to, the word feel there, it also can be interpreted as the word to think from your insides. Okay? So Paul is going to bring up emotions in this passage. And he's saying, these are right emotions. I can live from my heart as a graced person. And he says, I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you might approve what is excellent and be so pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Those last three verses is his, his prayer. He spells out what a well-worked-on people of God would look like. Filled with knowledge of goodness, abounding in love, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now let's look at this. Let's examine this and let's take this in and say to ourselves, now God, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting to do in me? First is Paul's confidence in the work of God in us. There's a really funny little video on America's Funniest Videos. Still do that every once in a while because there's really nothing to watch on television. We, de we DVR, TV, whatever. We save the America's Funniest Videos. So there's something safe and fun to watch every once in a while. And, and uh, we watch it. And so uh, there's this man with his daughter. And she's tricking him uh, when she's sharing with him. She asks him to, to spell a couple of words. And he spells out those words and he pronounces them. And then she says, now spell yes. And he says, Y-E-S. And she says, well, what, 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 how do you pronounce that? Sp sound that out. And he goes, yes. She goes, okay, say it again. Y-E-S. He goes, Y-E-S. And, and she says, and what does, that, what does that spell? And he says, yes. And she says, okay, great. Now spe spell out E-Y-E-S. And he says, E-Y-E-S. And she says, well, what does that spell? And he goes, E-S. E-S. And she goes, no, it doesn't. And he goes, yes, it does. It spells E-S. And this man becomes increasingly frustrated with his daughter because he cannot see what really is right before him. If she were to write it down on paper, he would immediately see but because it's not on paper form, she keeps on asking him to spell it, E-Y-E-S. What does that spell? E-S. Every time I'm going to tell you the same thing. It's going to be E-S. That's what it spells. E-S. And he's getting growing. His frustration grows and grows and grows. And her giggles rise and rise and rise. 
right? Until finally she writes down on just a little piece of paper, E-Y-E-S, and he sees that and he goes, eyes, eyes, I get it now. And they have a good laugh together. The point of that story is this, is sometimes we get caught up. Sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we get discouraged. And we just don't really see the end of what God is spelling out for us. It's right in front of us. Oh, if God could reveal just something a little bit more, we would be able to understand it. We would be able to pursue it. But it's no fun when the joke's on you, is it? It's not fun. Something that's right there within our grasp when we just don't get it. And Paul is saying, I get it. And I want you, church at Philippi, to get it. That the work, which is the Greek word ergon, it means the administration of God's power. How God administrates his power in you, I am persuaded or confident. It's the word pitho in the Greek. That this hoti, this thing, the very thing that God wants to do, he will finish it. He will bring it to completion. And that's the word epiteleo. It means to bring to the end. It's like a craftsman whose work does not need to be touched anymore. It's final. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. You can't make it any better. God, I am confident in this, that he who began a good work by the administration of his power is going to bring it to completion, to its very end, because God saw that end. He knew that end. That end was his very character, Christ's character in you. He knew that he's going to bring that to completion. And so as saints, we're called to persevere in that confidence that God's going to work in us. And God, even in spite of us, is going to work in us. Turn to your spouse right now and say, thank God he's going to change you. Okay, that was really irreverent. Don't do, don't do that. That's irreverent. That's, that's terrible. Don't do that. Say, thank God he's going to change me. Will you do that? Turn right now. Hey, thank God he's going to change me. Yeah. Thank God he's going to change me. But I really want you to get this picture here this morning. And so my friend Tyler, he agreed to do something with me. I'm going to bring him up here now. And Tyler is very conveniently dressed for an illustration here this morning. Come on up here, Tyler. All right. How you doing? Good. All right, great. This is my friend Tyler, and he loves to do sermon illustrations. And so I want us to understand this this journey, this passage of begin a good work to bring it to completion, okay? From the very start, from the protos, from the first, all the way to the end, to the teleo, okay? And so uh, here is Tyler, and th this is Tyler before the beginning of God's work in him. And Tyler is black. He's dressed in black. And the reason why he's dressed in black is because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. He's dead to God. God has got to bring Tyler back to life. Tyler cannot find God by himself. Tyler cannot externally reach anywhere and find through education, uh, through self-improvement, through diet, through ideology, through anything. He can't save himself. He can't rescue himself. He's dead in his sins, the Bible tells us, all right? The wages of sin is death. But the, but the Bible also says, but the gift of God, Tyler, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. And as Christ followers, we understand that this deadness 
got addressed. All those sins, you want to, yeah, there we go, we got it. All of those sins, Tyler, go ahead and take it off. All those sins were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, so there's that crimson red, that red color shirt there to represent that Tyler now has had an external work occur to him. Christ came down to this world to die for our sins. Because God so loved us that he wanted to ransom us, he wanted to pay the price of sin through his son Jesus for us. And so Jesus, his shed blood on the cross, was for you and for me. Listening on the podcast, it was for you that Christ died. And so you can go from your blackness, from your deadness, to being washed in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that, that, that is the work of salvation. It's an easy word to say. It's like being rescued, being, being saved. But that rescue came at a great price, at the death of Christ. But what did that salvation do? Those sins that were once cr crimson are washed, Tyler, white as snow. Yeah, you knew that. You know that verse. Yeah, good for you. Um, they're washed white as snow. And so now, here begins the internal work of God. God has washed Tyler white as snow. He has removed the curse of sin from him. And Tyler now has the opportunity to be the new man, to be the new creation that God wants him to be. To be. Because now he can be in relationship with God his Father because Jesus has washed him white as snow from his sins, all right? So he has now been regenerated. He's been saved, and now he's been regenerated. And the internal work of God begins now because at this point enters the Holy Spirit. The Bible says for all of us who are in Christ, we're baptized into one spirit. And the Holy Spirit has now moved to Tyler's inside, Zoom, okay? And the Holy Spirit is inside you, Tyler, and now he's working in you. And so it is not an external work anymore once we've become children of God. It's an internal work that's happening, all right? And this washed white as snow, brand new Christian, he begins to grow and change. And the Holy Spirit continues to work in him. And this new man that has been formed inside of him begins to grow and become bigger and bigger and bigger. And Tyler now is a growing Christian. He's going through a process of being sanctified, set apart more and more unto God. He's going through a process of growing more and more and becoming more like Jesus Christ. And hence we have the green t-shirt. All right, And so now God has begun a good work. He has saved Tyler from his deadness, from the blackness of his sin that eternally separates him from God. Christ's red blood washes him from sin and makes him white as snow. And in that, it gives him the opportunity to be a new creation that is growing and becoming more and more set apart. God's continuing that work in him. And many of us, this is the stage that we're in right now. We're in the stage of growth. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and how loving and patient you must be. God's working on you, church. You're changing. God's gracing you more and more in this grace because you're partakers, because you're participants in this grace. You're getting greener and greener, right? God's working on you, but that's not the teleo. 
It's not the end. You know what the end is? Oh, it's glorious. Are you ready for this? Now I'm going to hold this shirt because it's the last one he's wearing. All right? It's glorious. All right? Royalty. Royalty. Now you are already positioned because of what Christ has done for you. You are already positioned as kings and queens. Your relationship with God already is as if a co-heir, a joint heir with Christ as kings and queens. But there is an end that is coming the day of Christ, in which our king returns, riding on the clouds. And he will gather all of his church, all of those born-agains, all those people who went from black, dead in their sin, to white, washed, clean as snow, who grew and were continually set apart to himself so that they may present themselves to him as co-regents with him. Tyler is not going to answer on the day of judgment for sin because Jesus already answered for that. And so what happened in this process from going all the way through these stages of this work of God from beginning to end is this. God removed, first of all, from Tyler the penalty of sin and washing him clear of that. That, that deadness to God it was no longer, he has a new life in Jesus Christ. The penalty of sin is removed. But in giving him his Holy Spirit, and literally transforming him on his insides, he's now removed from the power of sin. Tyler, before he knew Jesus, didn't have the power to not sin, but now does. It doesn't mean that Tyler won't sin, right, Elise? It doesn't mean that he won't sin, but it means that he has the power to not sin anymore. He's been removed from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. And one day, brother, when we worship together... Maybe we'll sit close at one of the tables at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Wouldn't that be cool if I, you know, I wave at you across the table or something like that? Yeah. He will be removed from the presence of sin. A regent. Paul wants to encourage you this morning, church. He wants to encourage you. He's still working on you. This is where, this is who we are, and this is where we are going. Can you applaud for Tyler? Thank you so much, Tyler. And so be a persevering saint, going from salvation to regeneration, to sanctification, to one day glorification, an external work that moves to an internal work. Do you understand this, church? You're the only people that God's working on from the insides. You're the only ones. You have this specific, special, supernatural power to change from your insides and become more like Jesus Christ. A new man, a new life created inside of us. And he grows and he grows more and more into the, in, uh, the image of God. When sanctification shows up in real life, it makes me more honest. It makes me care more about people. It makes me ask myself, really, what are my delights? Do I desire more of God and, or, and less of self? In my, do I desire less of the world and more of God? Do I begin to agree more and more with God's holiness and I desire that? Do, do I change my unto? Now I'm not living unto Clint anymore. I'm living unto God. And now I'm forming holy patterns and holy desires inside of me. And my purpose and my motivation is to more and more please and thrill the God that is working in me. Does that get you just a little bit excited about growing in Jesus Christ? The thrill of that growth. I stop just seeing my sin as something 
that would ho- God would hold against me like I did before I knew Jesus. And now I see it as something that would separate me from an intimate relationship with Jesus. Why would I do that? When I love holy God, people who are being sanctified are people that stop loving sin. They stop justifying their flesh. And they start welcoming the Spirit's power in their lives, shielded by faith. They continue to grow and grow and grow. They've been called by the Holy God. They've been saved by the Holy God. They're being sanctified by Holy God, and they will soon be glorified and be like Holy God. You cannot fall out of the grip of God's grace. You can't. God can change you today. He's still working on you. You're somewhere in that process, but he says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is able to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 reinforces this hope that we live in when Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's caused us. He has caused us. Who started the work? God did. Who's going to finish the work? God will. And we're born into this living hope. And see how Romans takes us through the process. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, black, dead, in your defeated old nature, once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And then insert Romans chapter 6, verse 19b. He says, just as you once yielded your members to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now yield your members to righteousness, to for sanctification. You've been set apart. You have a new direction. You have a new heading. And Paul reminds us just one chapter later in his letter to, to Philippi that it's all God that's doing this. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Think of Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for which God prepared beforehand, acknowledging God's work first. God prepared beforehand. He who began a good work in you is going to bring it to the Taleo, to the end. Drive to Hudsonville. Go with me to Hughes Park and play disc golf before it gets too cold. And you will pass a big bulletin board. Someone is paying probably a couple hundred dollars a month because they think it's, it's that important to put up one statement. And that is, Jesus Christ is coming soon. Repent and believe. That's what the bulletin board Jesus Christ is coming soon. Agreed. Repent and believe. Yep, that's, that's what God's calling us to respond to. There is an end that is coming. So what's the point of all of that? Well, the point is this, that God's effective power is behind his work. God's faithfulness to his promises is backed up by his power, by his work. It's no wonder that Paul will say, Toward the conclusion of his letter to Philippi in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul is operating from a confidence that God's power, his his limitless power, is working and will work. 
So let's pause and let's take this in again. Hey, church, where's God working in you right now? If somebody were to stop you after this or give you a moment, you know, you go down to the new community class and join a small group with us or you go to discovery class across the way in the narthex or you head over to Mark Walter's Psalms class that's going to be in that glass room right there or just head just a little bit down the way to Jeremy Cobb's worship collective class or you head down to young adults downstairs and someone says, what's God doing in you? Could you answer the question? So... I hit my men's group smack between the eyes on Wednesday night because we looked at this one verse and I said, hey, what's God doing in you? And some of them went like that. And then they really thought about it. They really prayed about it. And they said, look, I have seen God change me. God's changed me this way. I'm convicted about things that I wasn't convicted about before. I want things to the glory of God that I didn't want before. It was really a beautiful time together. And then I asked the next question, so what does God want to do next in you? You don't sense the prompting of God's spirit toward a holy direction, toward a more sanctified place than you are right now. And they all began to fess up and say, yeah, I need this. I need this. I said, well, what are we going to do about it? I said, here's what we're going to do about it. We're going to pray for God to grace us and empower us and do that work inside of us. And so each one of us, we prayed for each other. And how great to hear from one young man who said, I literally came to a point in my Christian life just one year ago that I thought that I'd send my way out of God's grace. I thought that I, I had worked my way out of God's workmanship. And he said, Ty, I'm really convinced that I am graced by God and I'll never fall out of that grip of grace. How wonderful. That's what we're talking about here, this process of sanctification. And oh, church, you can rest in that. You can rest in that. You can rest in knowing that there's another surrender to God's power coming in your life. An unlatching of God's grace in you, that God has a keeping work in each one of us. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're worn out, stop trying to do this on your own and allow the work of God in you. Be certain, be certain, be confident, church, of the eternal benefits of redemption that are incorruptible. They cannot be erased or changed by us. You can't. It's not like hoping that your team's going to win the game. It's not like gambling. It's not even like the second law of thermodynamics. That every time that there, all, all this work happens, that energy is lost. No, there's gain always in the work of God. God, our Father, is the, is the creator of all of those promises. He's the beginner of that work, and he's the completer of that work. And so Paul is even going to say to Timothy one day later on, and his final letter to Timothy that we have recorded in God's word, he's going to say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. Paul is on the way to the Taleo, to the end. And even in this letter to Philippi, he's considering he's in, his end. He's in prison. And, and Pastor Jeremy is going to cover this with you, but he's going to say to live, excuse me, Mark Walters is going to cover this with you. He's going to say to live is Christ, to die is gain. He's already seeing no matter what my end is, if I die here in prison and I never get released again, I will have gain. I will, it, it'll be great. 
But if I continue on, if I get released and I can continue to preach the gospel, that'll be gain as well. That's how confident Paul is in his God. So he who began a good work in you is able to bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And then Paul is going to talk about his legitimate love for his gospel partners. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. It's right. God approves. It's so cool that Paul is going to be talking about uh, discerning what, what you should approve, discerning what is best, right? And, he, and he's saying, God approves of me. It's right of me to feel this way because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of, with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. In other words, I've let God check my heart. I've let God check this out. How I yearn for all of you with all of the affection of Jesus Christ. Emotions can be dangerous sometimes, can't they? Oh, yeah. If we allow ourselves to emote based upon what we think is going well for us or what is going poorly for us, we're up and down like a roller coaster, aren't we? We mistreat the very people that we love the most. We act out emotionally sometimes, we're codependent, we're too dependent, we're independent, we're possessive. We have all kinds of negative emotions that can rule us, and we're up and down. But Paul says, this is the right way to emote. When you're grounded in God's love, and when you're a regular participant in God's grace, feeling this way about the church, about the co-partners of God's grace, this is the right way to feel this is the right way to feel paul is locked up in prison but he's saying philippian church my love for you is not locked up there's no way to put boundaries and borders around that philippian church i love it that i think this way about you he had a full heart of love for his fellow believers christians and our hearts should be cultured by the love of Christ and by the work and the word of God in us, as Paul is saying there. Distance is um, often a test of love, isn't it? Wow, I, I had to go, the longest I've ever had to go separated from my wife is 15 days. And that was excruciating. But I had to spend 14 away from her uh, uh, when I went to Kenya. And thank goodness for the WhatsApp, where literally... At 8 o'clock at night over there in Kenya, I was speaking to my wife in the middle of the morning over here in Zealand. And I was able to c connect with her because I longed for her. I longed for her. I epithaoed is the, is the word to long for. And from my splancha, isn't that a great Greek word? From my splancha, when he says heart there, he says the word splancha. Cardia often is used for heart, but this time is the word splancha. It literally means from my gut. It includes the lungs, the upper intestine, and the heart all together. Where your body gets gripped emotionally, come on, you know, when you get gripped right here in your chest, that's your splancha. That's your insides that are just gripped with love and concern for someone. And that's what Paul says there. Back in uh, 1989, when Hurricane Hugo came through and it went straight up through Charleston and up to Charlotte, North Carolina, um, I didn't experience that because I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania in my uh, sophomore year in college. And uh, I was weeks into my sophomore year, and um, the phone rang in my apartment. And so I answered it, and they said, 
they said, son. And I said, hey, mom. Hey, dad. They said, how are you? And I said, fine. You know, I just stopped by the student bookstore, got a Diet Pepsi and a USA Today and was reading it. This is before the internet and all that stuff. And, and uh, I said, how are you guys doing? They said, well, we're, we're surviving. And I said, you're surviving? Why? And they said, son, Hurricane Hugo went through Charlotte a week ago. Did you did you hear anything about that? Anything like? I said, well, yeah, I I did I did I do recall uh, hearing about that. And they said we've been walking five miles to our office just to take a shower in the morning, and to have electricity. And they said we don't think that we'll have electricity at the house for a couple more weeks. And there's trees everywhere. Nobody can get out of the neighborhood, so everybody has to walk to the grocery store to the convenience store. I went, oh, wow, you know, that's not the right way to feel towards your parents after a tragedy like that. I should have I uh, felt a little bit more from the squancha. But Paul, he feels this way. Listen, church, we're not bound together by our likings, by our hobbies, by our life stages, but we're bound together by the amazing love of God toward us. That's what unites us. The amazing love love of God. How do you create unity in the church? You don't create it. You respond to God's love. You respond to the grace of God. You feel the love of God for others, and you're enabled emotionally by the Holy Spirit. Oh, ask God's Holy Spirit to enable your emotions today, to check and correct your emotions here this morning, because we have the same Father, and the feeling is so great to be united with God in his love, that only God, verse 8, could understand it. I long for you from my deep, deep heart, my upper intestines, my liver, my lungs, my heart. J.B. Lightfoot said it this way, the believer has no yearnings apart from his Lord. His pulse beats with the pulse of Christ, and his heart throbs with the heart of Christ. So let me bring it home to us. What Paul's going to say now in these last three verses is, this is the picture of what I would pray for you because I long for you in the right way. I pray that you're going to have abounding love, that you're going to have holy discernment and desire, and that you're going to have sincere fruitfulness. Those are the three things that Paul is going to truly pray that they have. He says, I want, I want you to, your love to abound more and more. I want you to approve what is excellent and be discerning about that. And I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Loving God makes you more discerning. Because when you love who is God and the character of God, you love those things. And you become more discerning. So loving God is many times saying no to certain things so that I can say yes to God. And it's expressing love in ways that show both a knowledge of how to obey God's will in my life, but also how to make good moral decisions as a God-pleaser, abounding in love. And that involves the saints together. Holy discernment and desire is a unifying supernatural power. Holy discernment and desire. Approving what is excellent. It means yielding my energy and focusing to higher things with God. Holy discernment and desire. No wonder Paul says in the fourth chapter, he says, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, 
whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable. If something is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Why do we have disunity? Why do we have fracture that occurs in the church? Because we're thinking on self. We're thinking on low things. We're not thinking on high things. Church, think of the things that we could agree on together. Or we could agree that our lives are completely dependent upon the grace of God meeting us in Jesus Christ. We can agree that we were all black and dead in our sins, but we had to be washed by the blood of Jesus and be made white as snow. We can agree that God's purpose on this earth is for us not to get the next thing or get a boat or to look to externals to fix ourselves, but something has to happen on our insides as we continue to be set apart more to God. There are great, wonderful, noble, true, worthy of respect, pure things to think on. So church, are you confident in the Almighty? Are you confident that God is going to continue His work in you and therefore in us? No Christian here this morning that God is, is able. You say, well, you know what? I keep getting caught up in the same sin every time again and again and again. To think that your inability somehow affects God's massive, immeasurable ability is faithlessness. Give your faith again to God. Place your confidence again in Almighty God. How will you or I persevere this week? Because we know this, that he who began a good work in us will be able to bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Second of all, do this. Be a partaker of grace daily. Be a partaker of grace daily. Just as Paul said that they were. You know, we're partakers of grace. Ask yourself the question, what has God been doing in me? And what's the next glorious thing that God wants to do in me? And have a conversation with another lover about that. Another God lover. An accountability partner in your men's group. In your small group with your spouse, with your kids, have that conversation. And finally this, support other believers. I'm going to go support other believers this morning. I'm going to go to my small group, and I'm going to support other believers, and we're going to get gathered together, and we're going to kind of get reacquainted after a long and full summer. But we're going to go there because we're going to support each other. Whatever class you choose to go to, I hope you're going there partially because you want to support other believers, because you want to encourage people to be confident in this, that God's working in them, and that God can continue to change. When we offer consistent support to each other, we're showing the consistency of God's faithfulness to us. So maybe you're convicted here this morning and you're saying, God sanctify me. Maybe a couple of emotions have ri risen up inside of you and you're just going, yeah, I really want this. Oh man, I want to get greener and greener. I want to grow. I want to change. God sanctify me here this morning. I want to remind you that what we're doing here this morning, what Paul is saying in this passage is more than believing. We're different because of truth, but that truth is a person. And that person is now living inside of us through God's Holy Spirit. We are different because Jesus is working on our insides. And this is life as we know it. That we are intimately and irreversibly connected to a God who is changing us all of the time. I want you to sit in response to worship here this morning. And, 
And Dustin, thank you, brother, for doing this, is going to put on the screen a video of uh, Danny Gokey's song, Masterpiece. And maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not familiar with it. But I want to give you a, a few of the lyrics just so that you can follow along and you can identify with where the heart of this song is. He starts out this incredible song by saying, Heartbreaks, bitter sound, I know it well by now. It's ringing in my ears. I cannot understand why it's not fixed by now. I've begged and I've pleaded. Take this pain, but I'm still bleeding. Heart trusts you for certain, but head says it's not working. I'm stuck here still hurting, but you tell me. And he goes in to this. You're making a masterpiece. You're shaping the sun in me. Just, just take a moment to just rest in the grace of God and to hear these words and to worship along with Danny Gokey. Will you do that? Thanks, Dustin. Trust you for certain head 
That's not scripture. That's just a song. But surely he had to be thinking of Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you is able to bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And who would be the first one here to say, oh, God, make me your masterpiece? Oh, God, make me your masterpiece. Work in me. Work in me today. Who would be the first one here to say, I'll be a partaker of that grace again? God, oh, grace me. Oh, God, I'd love to be thrilled with a new way to be pleasing to you and to get greener and greener. Father in heaven, continue speaking to us throughout the day. Continue to grace us. May it be that you would find many of us, all of us, completely willing to be your masterpiece in our lives. And where our head shuts us down and where our negative emotions get in the way, help us to be moved by the love of God to be joined together with the saints, to support each other, shielded together by the faith that you are working in us. We give you our hearts here this morning, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you're going to remain seated for just 30 more seconds because we are going to release the teachers for children's and youth ministries because we are all graduating to our new classes. We want to make sure that those teachers get on down there before the... Stampede begins, okay, to those classes. So those teachers, you are released to head on back there uh, to your classes. Thank you for being here and uh, getting all ready for that. God bless you um, with your children's ministry, all right? And for the rest of us, all right, we really had church this morning. I was so glad to be with you. Um, I get to be with you again uh, next Sunday, and then, Pat, and then Mark Walters takes over in the month of October. It'll be a tough Sunday for me, uh, getting ready for sabbatical, but just know that I hold you in my heart, church, and I love you. And I look forward to the extra space to pray for you, um, to study the Word, and even put it into an online journal uh, for you so that you can always have access to where um, I'm in the Word, and kind of like a blog, but not uh, kind of thing, but the great way for us to stay connected. I long for you with the affection of Christ, church, beloved. So now, may the grace of God empower you to continue on this journey of this great work that God is doing all the way, kings and queens, to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.